Finally, we are back. It is the Roman's Empire podcast where all woo! we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And woo is right. Finally, guys. Feels like forever. I'm like really hyped for this episode. It's been forever. I know, but it's also <laughs> been so long that I forgot like what's been happening. Like have we have we been doing <laughs> have we been doing good this season? <laughs> I think so. I think we've been all right. You've been doing all right. Cool. No, cool. It, it's been a it, it's been a weird season, especially for me. Like, I've missed the last three matches because my team that I coach, their times have overlapped with the Chelsea game time. So I've always watched the matches like recorded afterwards. It's not the same. I feel a little bit more disconnected when I don't watch the match live. Uh-huh. I don't I don't get people that could record sports and just watch and be okay with it. I feel that honestly, kind of like we have a friend. Was it like a Liverpool fan and that like literally records every single game and me and my other friend just give him shit. It's like, how can you do this, bro? Live sports only. If he's listening, yeah. live sports only. Uh, but I, I think honestly, before we get into anything, we need to talk about Mourinho real quick because that just came up out <laughs> of nowhere. Oh my! I am s- still like not. Like except like it. my my brain is still not accepting the images that I see of Mourinho and Tottenham jerseys, but uh, I mean that ugly <laughs> ass fucking purple with a cock on his chest, yeah, <laughs> that one. And uh, he uh, he uh, so I mean the, the crazy thing about it is just that it came out of nowhere. I mean Pochettino, obviously one of the top managers in the world like maybe a top five manager and like obviously this Tottenham team is struggling but you know when we when we saw yesterday that he left Tottenham I thought he left you know like on his own terms but it turns yeah. out right. no what's what, what is their chairman's name something Levy uh Daniel, yeah, Daniel, Levy. Daniel Levy sacked him so great decision there by Taunton. Uh, <laughs> so, for Champions League final what, in a few months to getting sacked not even halfway through the season. But, Unbelievable. But, yeah, it, before we get into like the implications, do you guys think that Mourinho's ability to win a trophy anywhere he goes uh, is more strong or Tottenham's ability to never win a trophy? Which, which, which will be more powerful in this <laughs> dynamic? <laughs> I, it, that's a great fucking question it's like it's like you know is that an immovable it, object it's... versus an unstoppable force <laughs> that's exactly what i was trying to say thank you and i totally i would have butchered it so bad oh my god i was trying to figure out what the actual man. saying was that's literally what it <laughs> I, is What's gonna yeah happen? no i it's gonna be nuts man like tottenham is allergic to trophies Mourinho somehow manages to get trophies I think he'll make like a finals appearance, but then they'll still bottle it. Like I could see, well, they're not in the capital. They're not in the Carabao cup. I'm pretty sure they lost there. So mm-hmm. FA cup is their best bet. I don't, I don't see them recovering from that seven, two loss to Bayern in the champions league. Yeah. I, that was really bad. Yeah. I think Mourinho is going to pull his usual, you know, shit housery and win a lot of games. One nil with like a, Harry Kane deflected well, shot or something. What are your guys' but... thoughts on that style working in today's football? I mean, I, like, I, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. I, I'm kind of conflicted here because, I mean, guys, we're saying they can't win any trophies, but they could always win the international champions cup. That's a very <laughs> winnable tournament for them. Every summer, that's, that's, that's right a trophy within their reach, guaranteed. And 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 you know what? It'll double the amount of trophies in their trophy cabinet too. So, <laughs> you know, hopefully they built a lot of room for all those international champions cups. No, no, but but seriously, like, Sam, I think it's a good question because I have a cousin of mine. I don't know why the fuck he's a Spurs fan. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you know, I I I just found out he was watching soccer a few years ago, and when I asked him who his team was, he said Tottenham, and I asked him why, and he says. Honestly, because they were the first team that I watched. Like he just happened to turn on the TV one day and a Spurs match was on. Wow, poor guy. So so great, you know, a real reason to become a fan of R. a team. R.I.P. <laughs> but but F in the chat. No, he even said like like he was very confused about it and he texted me last night and he said I might need a new Premier League team to support. 
<laughs> right after the Mourinho news broke. I just I don't know if it'll work over there. I think I think there's too much internal conflict already going on, and when you throw the most I don't know how to this. I mean, I I can't describe Mourinho in one word, but he's Eagle he's center. a ticking time bomb. You're basically throwing a nuke into the middle of a war zone, and expecting it to work. And, and I, I I don't know. Outside of the drama and that kind of stuff, how about just like his tactics? Because I feel like today, uh, so I mean, Mourinho played at a time where like his like second biggest transfer like purchase ever was uh, Diego Costa. For 35 mil. I think his most his most was Pogba, obviously, for 100 mil. And then it's Diego Costa for 35. And no, no, no. He, he bought Lukaku. And Lukaku was for less. And also... Uh, he was, but he was more than I saying? He was more than Diego, though. Yeah. I thought Lukaku was around 80. Uh, yeah. 70, 80. Lukaku was I, more than Morocco. Okay, you know what? You're right. You're right. But anyway, but my, my point was that he was... He was... You know, the clubs that he, were, he was, was uh, managing spent way more than any other club in the league. And now in today's league, you have teams that are just throwing out money. Like there's so many clubs out there that are throwing money out there. Like, like before except the, Tottenham, exactly. Leicester has like a half a billion dollars starting 11. Exactly. So yeah. I, I don't think, I, I don't think he has that advantage anymore, which was something that he had always. And really, I think with today's style, with a lot of teams really, uh, you know, like the top teams press a lot. I don't know if that'll really work with his kind of like, you know, park the bus, grind it out for a goal kind of game. You know, like they're going to get hit I on think the counter. It will. I think it will. I, and, and I'll tell you why. Because Mourinho is an expert at shutting down specific spaces on the pitch. He's very, very good at identifying certain areas of the field and just completely neutralize them. And I think, you know, now we're seeing this new attacking fullback role. And I, 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 I'm going to move on to it when we talk about Reese James too, but the modern fullback, they're placed higher up the pitch and a lot of teams actually run their attack through the fullbacks as opposed to up the middle. And, uh, and, and I think Mourinho is going to find ways to shut down the outsides. Now we know he's going to sit deep and we know he already has a couple of players that he's been interested in in the past. I'm just talking about Bertongan and Alderville. I mean, those are guys that were linked with Man United when he was there as that stopgap. I think I think he threw the hissy fit over Alderweireld, if I wasn't mistaken, last season. But, I mean, there's players there that he'd love to work with. I think he's going to – I mean, Musa Sissoko is going to be utilized every single For match sure. again. I think he's, he's such a Mourinho player. And then Ndombele seems like a Mourinho player if he has the right mindset. I mean, who really knows? Right. He's, been, he's been kind of inconsistent under him, but – I mean, Harry Kane has had good things to say about him. He has other decent attackers like Dele Alli and Son. I mean, there are players there to make it work. The problem is, and Sir Alex always said this, if you win, if if you achieve a certain level of a success, there's about a three-year window for a group of players to succeed. If it doesn't work in that three-year window, you got to start. You got to start over. And I, that's exactly what Tottenham didn't do. I think Levy bringing in Mourinho was doing the complete opposite of a rebuild and is just saying, okay, this is our absolute last-ditch chance, and if it doesn't work, we're selling a lot. We're starting from scratch. That's the only logic there is to appointing Mourinho as a head coach. Midway through the season, too, it really doesn't make I, sense. It's weird. It's yeah. it, It's I, I don't get it either. I do think that, surprisingly, Mourinho is getting a team where he can – get results immediately like yeah. like you said Zach like he's going to simplify everything i 100% think it'll be a 4231 mm-hmm. with either Sissoko or Ndombele as one of the base midfielders and i actually think it'll be Eriksen next to them kind of like the Matic Fabregas double pivot mm-hmm. like i could totally see Ndombele benefiting from this i can see someone like Lucas Mora getting back into the starting 11 because of you yeah. know the counterattacking side of things Dele Ali playing that kind of Oscar role with the pressing and the kind of being a supporter right behind the striker. And yeah, like Alderweireld and Vertonghen are getting older. You play a 4-2-3-1 in a low block. Like that works out perfect for them. Harry Kane is more than capable to be a lone striker in a counterattacking system. I, I don't think that Tottenham will work their way all the way back up to the top four. 
but I could see them making a push to the Europa League. I think the damage is, has, has been done, and they're not going to spend money in January. It's just kind of unheard of for them to be spending so much already like they did this summer. But at the end of the day, Mourinho knows the league. He's had the kind of leisure of essentially watching and analyzing every single team as his like job. So he's not even coaching anyone. He literally just gets to criticize the whole of the Premier League. So if anything, he's been studying for this moment to come up. Whether he knew it was going to be Spurs or not, that's irrelevant. But yeah, Apparently I... he was with Lille uh, a lot this year uh, because like just like watching them because he, he pretty much was saying that if he showed up to any Premier League game, then it would just be speculation that he was trying to, you know, look for the job and try to push out the yeah. manager. So he was like with Leo. So I think, I think the, yeah, the head coach uh, at Leo, some, what's his name? Sacramento. That's his name. Uh, is now, is <laughs> that's his last name. It's, it's, is, he has, is it really? It's, it's like, cause it's like Joao Sacramento <laughs> and he's, he's gonna, he's gonna be joining him at, uh, at Tottenham, it, I think he's like one of his proteges or whatever. But I mean, that that uh, there was like a story on the Telegraph about I think, that today. But um, I think he was also taking shots at Chelsea in his press conference too, because he mentioned <laughs> how great Tottenham's youth setup is, and it's like, all right, man, come on, <laughs> of course, come man. on, he has especially after shots. all the beef with Jody. And uh, he's our, I, he, he knows after after going to them that it you know it's pretty much like it's over. It, yeah it's like, over yeah like it's it, completely over and yeah. I, and that once he made that's that what decision, I was gonna get to uh-huh. yeah like fuck him I could give two shits about him now I I vouched for him when he went to Man United because you know I mean you saw his body of work you saw what he did for us you know he brought this winning mentality and this new style of football that nobody knew how to beat at the time. Went to Man United, fine. I forgave him. I know some fans didn't, and I get that. That's that's okay. But this this is just like like this is sleeping with your ex. This is, you know, like I, this is as bad as it gets. Fuck him. I could give two shits about him now. I hope he fails. I hope Tottenham fail. I hope Daniel Levy <laughs> fails, especially more than anybody, because this has been the most stubborn man in the Premier League for years. You have had the best manager. In, in maybe the last five years in the Premier League with a squad that's been overachieving the whole time he's been there up until the last few months, and you're still not going to back him. I I, I don't know. I it's, I hope it all falls apart. I know, you're you're speaking so, like, passionately as if, like, it was your own team. Like, no, <laughs> this is so funny. Not, I know. It's no, like, it bothers it, me. Exactly. Because, like, because Tottenham fans have this fucking entitlement. And, <laughs> like, like, they should be this elite caliber team like a top tier european club no you're not you have to win something first bringing Mourinho in after pochettino failed miserably is not gonna fix things it's just not to be fair i don't think every tottenham like fan is happy about this A, a friend of mine here in in houston he was distraught he just didn't understand you know his whole thing was you know if anyone needs to get the the sack it's it's Daniel Levy because there's only so much Pochettino could do with the situation he was in. Then they decided to, to streamline the new stadium. I mean, let's be real. We, we, nobody knew who Harry Kane was until Poch brought him up. And obviously Erickson always was a prospect. Yeah. Dele Alli came from MK Dons. Like Son was a Bundesliga player, but not the player we've seen recently. Lucas Mora was a PSG reject. I mean, the list goes on. And yeah, it's just, it's kind of a, a weird feeling to kind of just turn your back on, on a manager. And also think, even, think of all the players that they've sold in the last three years. Yeah, that, that, that exactly. You, like how much, how much profit, how much growth that he has single-handedly gained them pretty much yeah. because of developing players. I mean, and he never did anything like toxic while he was there. Like, yeah, he complained about not getting transfers maybe like once, but it was this past January after they had signed hey, nobody. Good, good for Windows. him though. Good for Pochettino. Like this is this should be a good. He, he's already in talks with with Bayern. So. Yeah, this is like a this is like an upgrade for him, and really it's an yeah, upgrade it's for us. We get to up. we get to watch we get to laugh at Tottenham, and you know with the manager that you know it, it's it's more enjoyable to see Mourinho 
losing these games than Pochettino. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, look, I, yeah. I don't know about you guys. I'm fucking done talking about. Yeah, I was Tottenham. about to say. Let's, let's, <laughs> I know that was way too much. Wow. It was. Yeah. It, it, it had to be discussed. <laughs> it wasn't even on the script. I just we needed to talk about it. So let's let's yeah. get into this match. I guess that happened a couple weeks ago. I totally forgot. It's been so long, but uh, uh, <laughs> two two nil win against Crystal Palace. First clean sheet of the season, right? Was that the first clean sheet? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure. I thought. I, okay. Uh, I'll check later. But let me go through the starting so lineup. The fact that I don't know, or the fact that we don't know, just kind of like tells it all. Yeah, I think it, it might be. <laughs> so Kepa and goal back line of Reese James, Zuma, Tomori, and Emerson. Midfield of Conte and Kovacic. Then uh, another midfield. That it was a four-two-three-one. So then William. Mounts and Pulisic up front, then Tammy Abraham as a striker. Uh, 2-0 win. Again, I'll, I'll double-check to see whether that was our first clean sheet of the season. I believe it was, but let's get into the positives. Zach, what are the positives of this match? Oh, man. We have to talk about Pulisic. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to start. I'll, I'll start by saying High Plains Moron's question because it's funny. He goes, who's your man of the match and why is it Christian Pulisic? I wouldn't go that far to say that it's Pulisic. <laughs> But I would take him as the main positive in this match because he's making Callum Hudson-Odoi have to work very, very hard for some playing time. And the fact that we have competition on the left-hand side, that that type of competition where we have two young, high-potential prospects, uh, is it's just great for the squad. And honestly, it'll keep the players honest too because you know they have to stay focused 24-7. I think it's interesting that you know, Pulisic was the one that got frozen out earlier on, but now we're starting to see Cho is the one that's struggling. And like, even for England in the international break, he didn't necessarily light, light the world on fire. So, you know, maybe it's a microcosm of that injury. Maybe it's in the back of his head. I know a lot of times that I know this isn't the same sport, but in basketball, torn Achilles, I mean, those guys come back timid. You don't forget that type of thing because it's a non-contact injury. Like the way, the way Cho did his Achilles, that type of thing kind of stays with you. And I feel like he's being a little bit timid at the at the, at the, at you know at this stage of the season, but as we go on and as Cho gets confidence, I think you know if both players are fit and they're both firing and both in decent form, if we both if we have them both on the pitch at the same time, God help the other teams because I don't know anyone else in the league that has two young naive wingers like that that'll just run at you at will and make your life a living hell like that, so. You know, big positive this weekend. Pulisic keeps it going. We need Cho to pick it up. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that's going to come with time. I, I, I think we still have to be a little bit patient with him. But, guys, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I don't know about you. I didn't really expect Pulisic to hit the ground running like this. I mean, I knew he was going to be decent. I knew he was going to be a good player for us eventually. But He for sure I mean, exceeded what? my expectations. Five goals in his last three Premier League matches. And, and, and I honestly kind of tried to set my expectations low so I wouldn't yeah. be disappointed because, you know, like too. there's a lot of hype going into it just because, you know, he's an American player. And it's yeah. like, okay, how much is that, you know, like how much is the fact that he's American playing into the hype, you know? Right. So, but, he, you know, he's he's really – I think he's he's the real deal. Like he's just – I don't know. Yeah, the last, what was it, the last – three, four matches, he's been just scoring and just playing with such an amazing, like, intensity and effort that, I mean, you know, that, that that's pretty typical from these young guys, obviously, trying to still, you know, prove something for themselves, but, I mean, Lampard's been doing such a good job, it's like, I'm so happy with what I've seen so far. What about you, I think Arnold? I... Yeah. Definitely. I, I, like, in my head, I think I, I would measure his season of success if he had a like total goal contribution of 10. Right. I was going to say yeah, the same too. thing. Five and that, five. I would have been happy. Right. That would have been it. And I think part of that is, you know, last season, the only way we were scoring is if the ball touched hazard, whether it was an assist or a goal. Mm -hmm. And obviously I don't think many of us expected to hit the whole team to hit the ground running the way we, we have, or the fact that Chelsea has been so dynamic moving forward and getting everybody so involved. So, I mean, yeah, I'm extremely ecstatic for Pulisic. I think that it comes at a time where, like, where we didn't 
the season didn't start the way he wanted it to. Then things started getting rough with him in the U.S. And instead of becoming the next McEachern, he decided to show some balls and just hit a freaking hat trick and hasn't turned around since. Like he, along with Willian, are are dead on starters at the wing right now. Like Cho has a lot of work to do, and I know that is part of it is because of the injury. But even if he was healthy right now, those two guys get in before before he does. I think my favorite thing about this uh, about Pulisic scoring goals is his reactions to the goals. You can tell that he's really like he's having a ball out there. The way he celebrates, the way he screams. I mean, he's just he's a very passionate player. He always has been. I mean, if you're an American and you're listening, you guys know how passionate he is on the pitch. You know, he he leaves it all out on the field, but for to see him do it for Chelsea, it's still so surreal to me. Like I haven't even I haven't fully processed the fact that he's doing what he's doing. And I'm not going to I'm not going to blow it up or overhype it cuz I know, you know, he's not He's not going to be the hazard replacement. You know, he still has a long way to go to even be close to the hazard replacement. But the fact that he's doing this well, it's it, it's so welcome. But Andres, I see here you have some kind words about Willian. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love to hear this. I'm so glad we're recording this. Yeah. Just like every <laughs> other episode. But <laughs> we have evidence. Willian now. is actually my other positive for this game. So obviously Pulisic was the man of the match, but... Williams continued like purple patch of form has been, I mean, just a complete surprise. I've never been big on William, but right now he's almost impossible to drop from the starting 11. I think that he has become a lot less selfish with his movements and is actually taking in the coaching and instructions from Lampart. Mm-hmm. And that has been my biggest gripe with him throughout his time here at Chelsea. You know, the managers want to play a certain way, but if the ball ever reached William, he stops the ball, does a couple of little feints, two scissors, goes to his right foot, and then tries to cross it, and it's too late because every defender read his move. But, I mean, you, you're seeing him drift centrally. You're seeing him make runs off the ball. You're seeing him do, like, first-time flicks onto a running Tammy, who is shocked he's getting oh, the ball and scoring. Beautiful. Like, this is, in my had like the best and most influential William we have ever seen at Chelsea, even more so than that season where we ended up in like 10th, like where he did everything. I think this is the best William we've had. And at 30 years old, that is nothing that I expected. I thought that we would go into this season and he would have faded out into, you know, the remaining six months of his contract and goodbye William. But now, I mean, it's it's weird. I think that Chelsea will do what they can to to sign him to an extension, and it. I mean, it's fully deserved. Yeah. No. I, the thing with Willian and Andres, I I see what you're saying because that's that season where he basically put the team on his back and we finished in tenth. I mean, most of the goals he was getting were off of set pieces too, right? And I felt like in that season, Willian had to put up these ridiculous numbers and attempt these ridiculous amount of dribbles and ridiculous amount of through balls and ridiculous amount of passes and shots because he had to, there was no help that year. I mean, the whole squad was completely deflated where this year goals are coming from everywhere. The threat is coming from everywhere and Williams being allowed to play within himself, but within a free flowing system. And I think that's the difference. I don't think he's being instructed to do something as a side piece to accommodate for a focal point. Our team doesn't necessarily have that focal point. We're more of, you know, I mean, I mean, like I said, the goals pretty much come from everywhere. Like, I don't know how else to put it. So instead of William doing the hard yards for Hazard and, you know, only supplying that ball or that pass or making that run to accommodate Hazard – He's being allowed to do whatever the hell he wants to do. Wherever the space is, he could float into it. He gets the ball. He could do whatever he wants with it. And giving him the green light, it just seemed to kind of unshackle him and turn him into this new player. I mean, we're seeing it with Kovacic, hashtag COVID crew, right? Same exact thing. The shackles have been ripped off of him, and he's been allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants on a field. And watching him and William this season do that, they're completely different players and are providing a completely different value to the team than they ever have. Like who would have thought that William would be the savvy vet on a team like this that's performing this well? 
I mean, you don't really associate William with that kind of uh, status or title, right? But this season, I mean, he's just he's proved everyone wrong. It's it's, it's been brilliant. I I've had no complaints. Except maybe actually, except for that first game. <laughs> we all remember. <laughs> we were comparing perfect. that performance to Bakayoko. Remember? Oh, yeah, that that was a very bad first game. He's yeah. definitely come a long way. I mean, yeah. And I feel like this game didn't really have too many negatives. Honestly, I mean, it was an overall decent match. Uh, Zach, did you have anything you wanted to say for negatives that you might regret later? It's not. It's not. Yeah. No. Um, no. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm probably. I'm glad I'm this probably... is being recorded. Also, if I'm yeah, getting put in the okay. hot seat, I'm glad this is getting recorded as well. Okay. You didn't hot mean take. this when you wrote this. No, I didn't mean it in the way that I'm gonna say it. If that makes any sense. At least you put it as a negative, though. It is a negative. It is a negative, and this is why. So I think we're starting to see the end of Dave, guys. I really do. Um, you know, Reese James came on in a Champions League against Ajax. Brilliant. Got his first goal, provided a spark, early crosses, late runs into the box. And again, against Crystal Palace, Just he's just an absolute treat to watch. I mean, the guy is the real deal, and he's the future at right back. And I think with his body his talent level, his footballing IQ, he can be as good as as good as Dave was 1v1 in his prime, if not better. And let's not forget Dave in his prime in 1v1 situations. He was regarded as that shutdown he, – he was a shutdown fullback. He wouldn't let wingers breathe. He stuck to them like Lou. I think Reese James could do the exact same thing. And he did against Zaha, who's one of the best wingers in the league. Even Frank Lampard admitted it after the match was over. So – I'm not saying the end of Dave is a good thing, and this is why I have it on the negatives. The guy has been a legend, in my opinion, for the club. Um, he's been a great servant for seven million pounds for Marseille is a joke to get a player of that quality. Um, the fact that he played three different positions across the back line in his time here and still remained a starter throughout that time tells you everything you need to know about him as a player. But now is the time for Reese James to come through. And I'm not saying it means benching Aspie for the rest of the season, but now we can start rotating him over to the left-hand side if we need to. And he could come in whenever Reese James needs to be taken out of the out of the line of fire, which is going to happen at some point this season. Because let's not forget, holiday period still hasn't hit. Young mm -hmm. player, not a ton of experience in the league. We're going to need Dave. So I'm not saying we're not going to need him, but... I think now, more than ever, I want Reese James to get in the, to to get in our eleven over Dave, especially now that we have Captain Jorginho. Um, but you know, Sam, going back to if I'm going to regret this or not, hmm. I, I I don't think I am. I think I feel pretty comfortable with how I feel about Dave at this point in his career and where Reese James is, and and I don't think it's a crazy argument. Cool. So when we get into like uh, what players we'd like to be sold, you make sure you uh, mention. Dave no, 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 put Reese on the right and Aspie on the left. Simple as that. And I think that that's a look we can probably see a lot more uh, as the season continues. We've already seen it a couple of times where Reese has played on the right and Aspie has shifted to the left whenever he's come on. So uh, I think that's going to be a look that is going to be a lot more frequent and brings a lot more balance to the side. All right. So I think we can wrap it up with that game. Um, we're going to get into a special portion uh, of the first third of the year review slash Twitter questions. So uh, we got some pretty good questions since, you know, it was, the, it was the international break and people had some time to think about some nice questions. Uh, we got a question from at Aurelius 13. He asked, who's your biggest slash best surprise player uh, as a player? Uh, he says, I'd have to say Tammy. One major concern was where will the goals come from? Second in the goal table. Not bad. Andreas, who's your biggest slash best surprise? 
I mean, it's going to be odd not going with a youth player, but I got to stick with my positive from earlier and say Willian. Mm-hmm. I mean, at 30 years old, yeah. a winger, you're you're expecting him to not have the speed, not have the, the quickness. And, I mean, I feel like he's just a different player. He he refused to be coached before, whether it was Sarri or Conte, and now Lampard has come in. And, yeah, he's doing what has been asked of him. So, for me, it's... It's Willian. I, I definitely did not expect to be at this point this season saying that Willian was going to need to start. So mm-hmm. that's my choice. I'm I'm going to say Tammy. I mean, I agree with Aurelius here because, you know, curse of the number nine, right? But going into the season, we haven't really had a prolific goal scorer in our squad since Diego Costa left. And the question mark still remained there because we had a guy like Batshuayi who had a couple bad loan spells. Not he hasn't had the greatest time in the last you know year or so leading up to this season, so there's a concern there. Tammy Abraham, you know, if you're a non-Chelsea fan, you call them a championship striker. But if you were a Chelsea fan, you'd say uh, maybe he could be a backup one day prior to this season. But what he's been able to do, the types of movements he makes, and the different goals he scores, I I really think we have a potential world-class striker here on our hands and. I know I started the whole team Tammy thing in the beginning of the season, and yes, it did simmer down. But, you know, again, second in the goal table, scoring at will. Um, he has had his rough patch. He's gone a couple matches without scoring. But the thing is, he gives us more than just that. You know, the the way he moves off the ball, the way he runs at, def- uh, at defenders when the other team is in possession. His hold-up play has been incredibly surprising this season. I've been I've been so pleased with him and I'm glad that he's taken a number nine shirt and you know that mentality that he has is just it just screams elite and uh and I think if he continues this upward trajectory I mean we could have a world-class striker here on our hands no doubt uh for me I sorry Andres not if you want to respond yeah I was just gonna say quickly that I'm shocked that our resident center back didn't go with Fikayo Tomori but that's yeah right well you know what I I I was gonna th- I was gonna throw it in there that uh, that my honorable mentions were actually the two center backs. That's what I was Tomori gonna say. and Zuma, because you know, nah, a, a couple weeks ago, you. I no. He- here's the thing, Sam. A couple weeks ago, after we recorded our podcast, I forget which pod it was, but I remember saying that I'm I'm trying to emotionally disengage myself from Kurt Zuma because mm-hmm. I know it's inevitable that he'll leave. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that anymore. Because the way he's playing has been ridiculous. That partnership he has with Fakayo Tomori is almost the ideal modern center back partnership where there's pace, there's power, there's ball control, and mm-hmm. there's distribution. I mean, it's it's basically the full package, not including size. Zuma's a freaking beast. But, you know, those guys would probably be my honorable mentions. I think Tammy here is just the most obvious one because the amount of goals he scores just kind of can't be ignored. Okay, I, I guess I'll say what my biggest surprise, Mason Mount for sure, because like mm. you know the beginning of the season, uh, we were a little bit short on you know on midfielders. Conte was out for the first couple matches, and then uh, obviously RLC was out, and so Mason Mount was a starter from the beginning of the season, and really got thrusted into it like his first Premier League games, and you know netted a couple goals early in there, and I was like. You know that 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 was a big surprise for me because I had no expectations for him at all. You know, with the other yeah. guys, I actually, I, you know, I, I kind of like, you know, was was as a a homer was kind of hoping that they would be really good, but I really had no expectations because I, I mean, that's maybe that's my my fault for not knowing enough about him beforehand. But I really I knew nothing about Mason Mount until this year, and he's been. I mean, I I know he's missed a couple games due to injury, but when he's playing i mean like what i've said about pulisic about just pressing hard on defense and just you know like being annoying uh, he he, yeah. he has a lot of that so i'm really impressed by him um let's get into the next question so this one's from at kirilis medvedev okay i think i'm pretty sure that's a, an uh, armenian word but anyway <laughs> assuming all of our our players are fit and rested. Who would be in your starting eleven, and why? Andreas, I'll start off with you again. Yeah, so I want to make sure that I'm pointing out that this is based on current form, not in, you know, 
what I think of every player, but I obviously Keppa and goal. Cavalier is not going to start in front of Keppa. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese James at right back again. We discussed it that you know the sky's the limit for him, and he's been solid. Pocketed Zaha, Samori and Zuma, they're undroppable right now. Emerson at left back. I debated putting Aspie there, but Emerson, that's his natural position. Then I went with a midfield three of Conte, Jorginho, and Kovacic. I mean, based on this season, again, before Conte was hurt, uh, came back from injury, Jorginho and Kovacic, those guys were going to start no matter what. And I think they still need to. And then my front three would be Pulisic, Tammy, and William. Again, I yes, Mount gets the short end of the stick, but I've gone with a 4-3-3, not the 4-2-3-1. If it was, you know, based on just the players being healthy and ready to go, RLC probably sneaks into that. But, yeah, that's my starting 11. I go with the 4-3-3. The surprises being reset right back and then a midfield three of Conte, Jorginho, and Kovacic. I got to I gotta agree. I, would, I actually wouldn't move anything around there. And I was kind of conflicted at first because I think Mason Mount does deserve to be in the starting 11. But this is the beauty of having competition in almost every single position because you could throw Christensen at center back. You could throw Dave at right back. I probably wouldn't complain. You could throw Michi up top for Tammy. It would still be a great squad. Cho on the wings. I mean, all these players you can mix and match and, and I think it'll work either way, but you know, Jorginho Kovacic, that's the big one for me. They both have to be on the field together. What they've done so far has been ridiculous. I mean, it's a little tiki-taka between them almost every time they play together. When, you know, the only reason why Mount misses out is because N'Golo Conte is the best central midfielder in world football. So, yeah, I, I, I got to agree with that one. I think that's probably the most ridiculous bench I've ever seen. I mean, we got Cho, <laughs> RLC, Mount, Batshuayi, Aspi, Christensen, Rudiger, if he's healthy. I mean, that's, that's fucking ridiculous. Ross Barkley. Something, something, <laughs> I don't know why, like, I, I feel like I kind of want, I wish that Cho was on loan right now because, no, I mean, because no. I think it, it he, you're telling me I'm going to regret the Dave thing song. Dude, no, this is the, you listen to what I'm saying. I said I want I want him to get runs out there, and William being you know like, like I think at the beginning of the season we wanted to play the youth a lot more, and now that we're in a position of actually contending for a lot of different things, I think it's like okay, our priority right now is trying to win something over developing Cho, and you know you're saying yeah. your best eleven is including Cho on the bench. You know, he's not getting the kind of runs that he should be getting. That's why, that's the, I mean, I'm not saying I I wish he was on loan, but, you know, I mean, it, it, it's I, I guess he's like getting, getting more time. run. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's and not I, bad to I, be the third winger. I mean, this weekend, right. Pulisic might not get to play, and Cho will get a start against Manchester City at the Etihad. So, like, I'd rather him get that sort of start with Chelsea than with, I don't know, Crystal Palace or Everton. <laughs> yeah. So... I think he'll still get plenty to like play time. We have the Champions League, which we're still very much in a good position to continue that. We're going to be in the FA Cup. I, the games are still going to be coming. Right now, again, we have we've had a bunch of international breaks, and he's still kind of getting his fitness. But I, I think he'll get that run of games. I mean, again, William is still thirty years old. He's gonna need a break. So it's inevitable. Yeah, and and that's what I was saying earlier about you know when I was talking about Pulisic. It's inevitable that the every single player on this squad is going to get their chance. Frank still says that Michi is going to get his chance even. Mm-hmm. Like regardless of form, players are going to get tired. The holiday period is going to come up. We're going to start playing three matches a week. Injuries, fatigue, tactical changes, you know, anything can happen between now and the end of the season. So I'm not concerned in the least. And guys, let's not forget, Cho's 18. So if it doesn't mm-hmm. work out this season – He's going to be 19 next year. Yeah. We're, we're fine. I mean, I he has, that, that's if, he, if he doesn't get his shit together in four years, then okay, maybe there, maybe we could worry a little bit. But yeah, no. he has so much time to develop. I have no, I'm not worried about that. You know, my 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 worry is not that I don't think he will develop. I just think it's it would be better for him, but m- maybe not. I, th- I think I think you guys changed my mind because uh, he's going to be getting a lot of run. Um, yeah. So let's get into this next question. Uh, this one's from Chad P. EDM. He asks, 
what players most need to be sold and if we do sell in january who should we we who should we we be bringing in to replace the lost talent uh, i'm thinking pedro needs to go this window maybe barkley also wrong by the way that's definitely wrong um so let's just do a, a what would you do segment where you know we put them in order of who you'd pr prioritize in selling first uh and so the players I, we have right now are Barkley, no, Marcus Alonso, Pedro, and Giroux. So, Zach, I'll start off with you. I, I didn't explain that very well. Rank those four players as far as prioritizing selling uh, and why. So I guess I'll start at number four first. So the person that uh, I would uh, prioritize the least on this list, Marcus Alonso, although he's awful, he does prove to be somewhat of a stopgap when Emerson gets hurt. Now, the problem here, and I wouldn't mind selling him, don't get me wrong, but if we do sell him, then that means Dave will have to play more minutes on the left-hand side, and I'll leave us with a three-man rotation for two fullback positions, and that frightens me. So we can wait till the end. So we can wait until summer to sell him and bring in a replacement. Yeah. Um, number three, I have Ali Giroux. Now, I know he needs a move. I love him to death. And it bums me out that he's not getting that much playing time, but he's had a great attitude, and it's clear that he's been a good influence on Tammy and Michi thus far. So, you know, if if it comes down to it, if an offer good enough comes where we can get a decent amount of money and get his expensive contract off our books, great. If not, that's fine. Number two, Ross Barkley. You're welcome, Sam. I did have him at number one, and I changed my mind at the last minute. <laughs> I'd, I, I'd, I don't want to get it twisted. He does need to go. I'd prefer to watch Billy Gilmore and Connor Gallagher coming in next year as opposed to him. He needs to move for his career more than anything at this point. So if he wants to go, if we could get anything in the, between the 20, 30 million pound range, perfect. Let's get his ass off of our books. Number one is Pedro. He is useless this year. We have not seen him against since Man United. And, uh, I mean, the man is just the epitome of an overdoer of absolutely everything, but a goal scorer of the most beautiful goals. So I'm going to miss him. He does score some great goals, but it would be nice to bring in somebody to replace him that wouldn't be so invisible so frequently in matches. What about you, Andreas? All right, I'll do the same thing. I'll start from four up. I have Alonso as the least likely to get sold. I think that... Soon enough, he'll actually become the third option at left back with Aspie becoming second to Emerson. But like Zach mentioned, we do need him right now. Uh, I think that the more likely scenario is him leaving in the summer, especially because I can't see any sort of situation where Chilwell leaves Leicester in January and he's like the one left back that we've been linked to. Mm -hmm. um, then at third, I have Giroud. He's currently our third choice striker. But he's been an absolute pro, so I think that Chelsea need to play nice if an offer comes and just let him go. Mm -hmm. um, second, I actually have Pedro. So uh, I think you can probably get an Italian team or a mid-table La Liga team to spend money on him. He's been a fantastic player with a decorated career, but he's not part of the, the – he's no longer in contention, like, period. So it would be good to get a bit of money for him instead of letting him run out his contract. And then number one for me is Barkley stat. Like, get Come him out of here. Guys. Well, on. here's the thing. Like, he's <laughs> nah, probably I'm the joking. one guy we can really get money for. He's yeah. English. He's in the quote-unquote prime of his career. His form for the England national team is ridiculous. So any offer above that $15 million that we initially paid for him, take it. And, and why? Well, RLC should be back. We definitely should recall Ampadu because he's not getting minutes. And there's still Gilmore and Gallagher, that, like Zach mentioned, who are part of the team in the future. So we have a surplus of center mids, and those are center mids that don't require as many minutes as someone like Barkley does. So, yeah, just let him go back to, less, uh, to Everton or a team of that caliber. Maybe if, if Bournemouth sell Ryan Frazier, we can throw them Ross Barkley. All right, so now let's talk about who you'd be bringing in to replacing them. Zach, to those four players, who would you bring in to replace them? 
I mean, this is this is kind of obvious, Andres. I think you're I think you agree, right? Because you made this list. <laughs> oh, but yeah. But um, no, I mean, I, it's obvious. Barkley, uh, recall uh, sell Barkley, recall Ampadu. Um, I think we need another natural defensive-minded midfielder in the squad. Only, we only have N'Golo Conte at this point. Um, so I think bringing in a guy like Ampadu would help, especially in a season where, you know, if we do get to the latter part of the season, the last month or so, and the league is out of reach, and we're not really in contention for any trophies, maybe rest Conte and give Ampadu that time and develop him a little bit more. He's not getting any playing time at, at RB Leipzig, and it's bothering me. Um, you know, Pedro's going to go. We obviously need to bring in another winger this summer, regardless of whether or not we sign Willian um, or re-sign Willian. You know, for Giroud, maybe you could bring in a number three, uh, someone with experience, someone older that's, you know, willing to take a back seat. Otherwise, the money's, you know, more useful elsewhere and uh, on, you know, uh, in other areas, <clears throat> left back. Um, and for Marcus Alonso, same thing. I would use that money and go after a left back. I don't know how much we'll get for Alonzo. Actually, how much do you guys think we we'll, we could get for him? I mean, realistically, we've never really talked about this. 33. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that, that might be a little high. Yeah, I think that might be a little high too. I mean, if Kieran Trippier goes for like 40 million to Atletico Madrid, yeah. somebody would be willing yeah. to pay 33 for yeah. for Alonzo, whether that's at wing back or left back. The guy yeah, but, scores goals, so he can go to a pub league where he doesn't need to defend and literally just be a marauding left back and have himself a decent. The only problem is I don't think season. I don't think Inter Milan will be willing to spend thirty three million on Marcus Alonso. So I think I, I think something between a twenty to twenty five range, but definitely on this list, I think Ross Barkley is the one that goes for the most. Yeah, I, I mean, like Andres said, we could literally just sell him based on his England form. Mm-hmm. Not easily, All but right. no yeah. other form whatsoever. <laughs> not his, <laughs> definitely not his Chelsea form because he has no form because he doesn't yeah. play. He hasn't he hasn't made an appearance for us yet this season, right? Has he? I don't think no, so. No, he has. I think he's he started. Has, he just hasn't match. played in a while. He played like as a so winger. After the first few. Yeah, he he was actually being played out like oh, on yeah. the left side and out on the middle. Like of that four two three one, it was he was awful though. I wild, mean, wild start to the season. Uh, Ross Barkley or Raphael Morrison? God, he's just so bad. So he's bad. like the new Raphael Morrison, guys. Is that bad? Yeah. So <laughs> we got a good question from. Uh, <laughs> we got a, we got a really good question from Chelsea Eric. He asks, the top four teams in the Premier League versus the top four teams in La Liga head to head. Who wins and also rank them one through eight. So right now, the top four in the Premier League, Liverpool, Leicester, Chelsea, Man City. Top four in La Liga are Barca, Real, Atletico, and Sevilla. Zach. I fucking them. love this question. Yeah. I love – a part of me loves questions that aren't Chelsea-related. So shout out to Chelsea, Eric, for asking Well, this. it's partly Chelsea-related because – Well, yeah, yeah. It's, and you rank them true. as number one, obviously, right? Uh, well, if we're taking this ranking seriously, then no. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'll start with number eight, Sevilla. They're just not that good. I don't know how a We'd team can drop 15 points in the first 13 matches and still somehow be in a Champions League spot. Um, Atletico, six draws. Like, really, guys? Um, surprise, surprise, Murata's a shit striker. Um, number six, I have Barcelona. Harsh, I know, but like, what the fuck is going on with them? Until they get Valverde out, they're perpetually going to be spiraling down the shitter, and, and and or at least until Hazard starts playing. Um, number five, I have Man City. Um, now they're without Laporte and Vincent Company in the back. They are awful. Um, Fernandinho ages faster than anyone I've ever seen. Um, Otamendi's a waste of space. They just haven't been able to figure out that stopgap. And I think them losing out on a center back this summer is huge. Like, like they really could have. I think out of any of the top four sides, they could have used a center back more than anyone. Um, number four, Real Madrid. They're right behind Barca. They're still in the hunt. And Hazard hasn't even started playing yet. So I have them at number four. 
that could move up when Pochettino goes there, <laughs> but uh, who knows? Um, number three, I got Chelsea. Uh, the reason why I don't have us higher, um, well, you could look at it two ways. One way is that we're actually ranked pretty high on this list, which I don't think we are. I think this is fair. Two, we're not ranked higher because we haven't had our rough patch yet. The holiday period will really show what this team is about. And I think it's also going to recalibrate fans' expectations. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. But I just think it is going to show the true colors of this side. And it's going to give us a better idea of how much potential we're going to have moving forward into the next season and the year after. Number two is Leicester. I, 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 I got I to admit, guys, they're the funnest team to watch this season. I mean, the, some of the football they played against Arsenal was some of the best football I've seen all season across the Premier League. So shout out to Leicester number two. Number one's Leicester. I mean, number one's Liverpool. Um, fuck them, but like they just literally refuse to lose a match, and <laughs> and and you really can't deny that they're the best team in Europe at the moment. So, Andres, uh, it's interesting. Does your list look Wait. somewhat similar yeah, to mine? Or? I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't know. A little bit different, but I'll let Sam talk. I just real quick. one quick point. I'm just surprised you have Leicester above us and so high up. That's pretty ridiculous. Leicester. Leicester is brilliant this season. I mean, they they are just a well-oiled machine. Everybody knows their roles. They get goals from different areas of the pitch. And the key here is that they got the good version of Jamie Vardy, not last year's version of Jamie Vardy, where we all thought he was slowly getting washed up. Somehow, Brendan Rodgers has completely unlocked this new version of Jamie Vardy that we haven't seen. It's interesting because he's not running in behind anymore. And that was like the big question mark was like, if he's not in a counter-attacking side, then how is he going to fit in? Brendan Rodgers found a way and he's banging in goals, top of the Premier League in the goal scoring charts. I don't see how you can't have them at number two. Well, I'm about to tell you why, because this is the correct list. So (laughs) listen, Sevilla and and Atletico are definitely eight and seven. Sevilla is good within La Liga when they like to play the big games, but they lose to these random sides. Atletico, they're just – I think Simeone's football is just losing its its like spark. And while Joao Felix has been really good, I mean, eh, they're still not as menacing as I feel like they once were. I actually have Leicester in sixth because I think their form – Preposterous, man. Uh, there is, there is, is not Great enough – there is not enough depth in that side to survive December. Simple as that. The moment that – you know, yes, they moved away from that 4-2-3-1 to that 4-1-4-1-4-1, and it's working out for now. But the moment they have to rotate, I don't see them bagging results the way they have right now. They're not in a European championship, so they're kind of they're having that same kind of feel-good moment that Chelsea had under Conte when you're playing one game a week and you essentially can put out the same 11 every single day. December is going to come and it's going to hit them hard. I don't think I don't think Leicester has played the big the big sides yet. Like I, it's not, they played us, but like they still have to play big games. They played United, yeah. I, I again, they haven't played any big sides aside from us. <laughs> uh, in fifth, I have Real Madrid. I think that you know they they have the players on paper, but also that's not working as well anymore. I don't think they're using Hazard properly, and if they haven't figured out how to use Hazard now, I don't think that's going to change until at least January after they get a couple of weeks off. Not sure why they're waiting so long to give him the ball. Yeah, it it, it breaks my heart. But, yeah, Real, I got them on fifth just because eh, something's off there. Gareth Bale is trying to play golf. I mean, whatever the the reason is, I have him fifth. I actually have us at fourth. And I think this is a pretty good ranking based on the three teams that I have in front of us. Again, we've tied Liverpool so that we, we have this potential to be great and be that we're with the big dogs but until we finally get over that hump and beat one of them i don't think we're ready to, to put ourselves in this next category i got man city in third um i know they're not even in third in the premier league but zach mentioned they're injured all over the place yet they're still scoring goals for fun like that's the scary part about that team that they can have two center mids playing center back they can have kyle walker in goal and they're still going to beat you because that front four or five players know everything about where the the teammates going to be, what kind of runs are going to be made. That swerved pass from Kevin De Bruyne is the most dangerous pass in football. And when you have 
Gabriel Jesus and Aguero finishing those, it's, it's a piece of cake. I mean, they're not they're struggling right now, but at the same time, they're also still winning. So I have them at third. They're the reigning champions in the Premier League. We still need to respect Pep's team. Number two, I have Barcelona. Yes, Valverde is an awful manager. I don't disagree there whatsoever. But, I mean, they still have Leo Messi. They're still top of the table in La Liga. They're still going to get top of the group in the Champions League. Like, it's Barcelona. Like, they're not playing Pep's style Barca or even Luis Enrique's Barcelona style play. But they got (coughs) – excuse me. They got Leo Messi, and that's enough to put them at number two. And then number one, I have VAR. I mean Liverpool. Liverpool <laughs> at number one because yeah, they're not losing. Nice. They're they're getting re- the the pretty results. They're getting the ugly results. And when you can do both of those, I mean, you're almost unstoppable. They're the champions of Europe. They're top of the league by a decent margin in in England. And I'm pretty sure they're still doing well in the Champions League today, like as of today. So yeah, Liverpool is is on a high. I know that they recently, or right now, they have Robertson and I think Salah injured. So they'll be a little bit more tested uh, in the next coming weeks. But for now, uh, they're still like They'll be one. fine. They'll be fine. Look, it, I'm, I think we made these lists with two different perspectives. I made this list based on if these teams were going to play today, who would be more likely to get the results? And that's what I base my list on. I don't know. I Barcelona, mean, Andres is based on paper too, so it's like, I mean, when they're playing in a random no, game, but, like but that's, Messi but that's beats Leicester. Messi on his own beats Leicester. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's all I'm saying. Oh, I don't know about that right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> bro, Evans. What is I don't know Evans about that right so, now. So Junku, I don't know how to say his freaking name. That Those team, guys are have a freaking nightmare against that Messi. team. Does not have an ounce of chemistry with Valverde at the helm. They just don't. Still. I don't need chemistry. You foul Messi once. That's a goal. I don't know. I don't know. I love I, how I, you I, picked second, though, Zach. This makes it way more interesting of a They discussion. are the funnest team in the league. There's yeah. no team funner to it'll watch be, than them. It'll be so fun to watch them lose to Messi's masterclass. I mean, one head game. to head. Head one to game. head, dude. And I, we know how Messi does in big games. Bro, I, dude, that midfield. Wow. Tillemans is not an athlete. So if you're putting him in a midfield, neither against... is the whole Barcelona midfield minus De Jong. Bro. I mean, like, like this is the thing. Leicester right now, based on form, is the second best team on this list. I don't think anybody could argue that. Are they the second best team in the world right now, or what? Leicester is also no, the no, only no. team on Not this second list. best in the world. They're also the only team on this list that play only one match a week. Yeah, and that's that, fine. That's... But that's what I'm that's saying. They're true. not playing. They're not playing higher quality teams. I know, like, but I, I, Barcelona I know, but we're not has playing... to play Dortmund and Inter Milan in their Champions League group, and they're still in first. And just because they're not playing pretty football, you're telling me that they couldn't beat Leicester? Barcelona's getting away with playing 16 year olds in La Liga. Like, okay, Ansu Fati is a fucking monster. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. He is. But still, <laughs> I know he's good. But still, like this is the thing. The look how competitive the Premier League is right now, and look where Leicester is. Like that's just that's insanity. There's no I don't know. There, there's just no way I could see a Barcelona team right now, with in this kind of form, beating Leicester in this kind of form. I mean, how many goals have Leicester scored in the last three games, Southampton included? That you don't go and score nine goals in a Premier League match and have that be a fluke. That just doesn't happen. Yeah, Only when great you're playing teams Southampton, do that. Oh, no, no, no. Only great teams do that. That's the thing. Look at the Chelsea team that beat Villa 8-0. Same thing. Great Chelsea team. Look at Man City beat Watford 8-0. Great team. Like, only only phenomenal footballing teams do that. Like, that's the thing. There's no such thing as a 9-0 fluke in the top flight of English football. Bro, I mean, okay, but Barcelona's – all right, their last few games, they've beaten Celta Vigo 4-1. They've beat Valladolid 5-1. They beat Abar 3-0, Sevilla 3-0. And in between those, they've beaten Inter. They they drew at Dortmund. They beat the shit out of Valencia, which we couldn't even beat. And, and you have them below Chelsea in, in that list. Well, I mean, because Chelsea, Chelsea beats Barca in the Champions League. <sighs> 
Wow. Oh, Lord. This is this is an amazing. Is anybody? Discussion. Is anybody? Twenty twelve guys. Sure. Really? <laughs> I remember. I remember. Yeah. For sure. Hey. Against against Those all tongue in cheek guys. Walls. Relax. I know. All right. I know. Of course. Tongue in cheek. Uh, of course. Okay. Let's 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 uh, move on from that because I mean that was honestly was that was a brilliant organic debate that just came on right there. That's that's the beauty of this podcast. So let's get into the match preview before we wrap it up. So Man City with their zero center backs uh, <laughs> at at City right now. Right I don't now, know how they're doing it, man. I know, I yeah. Know what they have? Who they have? They have who they have? John Stones and freaking Fernandinho, Fernandinho like, playing center back. John right. Stones can't even get in to the squad without Laporte and with company gone. He That's, still can't yeah, get into yeah. the squad. Crazy. I mean, I mean, yeah. They just came off the Liverpool loss. Uh, where they gave up two goals in the first 15 minutes, um, and then and then up losing three one, lost two of the last five. So Sane is also out. Laporte Zinchenko's out as well. No Bernardo Silva due to a suspension. Uh, ooh, ooh. We have, wait, do we have a suspension this match or no? No, no Jorginho no, got picked up week. the fifth yellow oh, yeah. on purpose. Oh yeah, so that he wouldn't be. Yeah, that, that's Master. smart. Yeah. That's smart. So. Smart. Ederson reportedly coming back to training this week, so we won't be seeing Kyle Walker in goal, unfortunately. Um, so, what are your guys' predictions? It's going to be tight, isn't it? Um, you, you guys know, didn't I know like my Kyle fun. Walker joke, by the way. That was pretty. Funny. No, it was it was it was, it was clever, get, but like I didn't get a reaction. You know, you know Kyle Walker has a hundred percent shots shots on goal to saves ratio, you know, doesn't he? Right, right before you get into Tim Howard after the game was saying it was re- really funny. He was like, you know what? He's got the hair for it. The bald head. That's what makes a goalie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he does oh, what it man. takes. Yeah, no, that, that bad joke. I don't know. I think I think it's gonna be an interesting game. I think uh, I think our midfield's gonna outrun theirs. Um, at least uh, just off of work ethic. Um, and I think City is going to struggle without Bernardo Silva, to be completely honest. Um, so I'm going to go 1-1. And, on, and, to be, and to be frank, guys, I think 1-1 would be a good result. I, w- I would take that right now going into that match. Um, I, I think the occasion's huge for our youngsters, uh, but the fact that it's coming right on the heels of an international break does kind of worry me because... You know, they're not those seasoned vets that could just jump back into a rhythm after, you know, not playing a competitive match for a few weeks. Yeah, but it's also it's also an international break where somehow we didn't have any injuries, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we have that. Who was the one that who was it? Someone, someone mentioned that on our on our Twitter questions. I think. It was Anyways. Ron. Yeah. Whoever it was. Oh, Shout no, no. It was Dylan Lee. Shout out Dylan Lee. Shout out Dylan. Yeah. Also, we went through an international break without any injuries. Yep. <laughs> wow. Uh, Andreas. Um. I'll take anything besides a six nil loss like last year. So <laughs> I think that it's going to be tough. We're playing at Etihad. I do think that their injuries played our favor. I think Bernardo Silva is their best, if not top three of their players. So him not being there will be huge for us. Uh, I'm good with the draw. I think one, one is a fair, fair shout. I think we'll be very defensive, similar to the super cup. So if we can, get that game plan out in the same fashion. Our finishing has gotten better. So outside looking in shot at winning this match, I expect this to be the the hardest game so far we've played Uh, even more so than the Liverpool one, just because we had already kind of proven that we could go against them. So city being city and not us not facing them yet. I think this will be the toughest match of the season so far. I, I do want to say I think I think the one thing we could exploit in th- this match is their high line and Tammy's pace, because Fernandinho cannot run anymore to save his life, and if John Stones is out of the equation, Otamendi is not catching up to Tammy. So maybe that maybe that counterattacking style, like you were saying, Andres, that's yeah. that's the key right there is maybe that's getting the ball over prediction. the top. Yeah. Fernandinho is going to get a red card because <laughs> because he's going to foul. Like one of the guys is going to get away and it's going to be a tactical foul and he might have not realized he was the last man, something along those lines. It, it'll either be – I think it'll be a straight red. I, I don't know why I had this feeling that, yeah, you're right. He, he won't be able to keep up with, with our players. And, I, I mean, if we can get a pass in behind and, and they get through, 
you know, bye bye. Like you're not gonna catch Cho, you're not gonna catch William, you're not gonna catch mm-hmm. Tammy. So knowing Fernandinho's temper, it could be one of those games where we would benefit from that. Yeah, I think Rodri's gonna be key for them. Yeah. If, if they could retain the ball, they'll be fine. But that's the problem against this Chelsea team is, you know, unless we sit back, they're not going to be retaining much possession because our pressing has just been so good and our guys are going to be fresh too. So I just don't know if we go in pressing though, because if, yeah. if they can bypass the mid, our midfield, we're in trouble. So that's why I think it'll be kind of more of that super cup style game where it's more of a counterattacking, get numbers in behind with two solid lines of defense with those midfield three. Yeah, maybe bring Mount on as a late sub, him and Cho, just to kind of stretch the defense. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. I mean, it, that looks like the end of our pod. Uh, it. I got. I gotta say, it's it's so it's so fucking good to be back. I can't and wait. yes, and we got Champions League ex- coming up too. Coming back. Oof! Can't wait. Oh yeah, we do. Next yeah, week, we do. A week from today. Yeah. So. Uh, make sure you guys uh, catch this week's pod. <laughs> Actually, you are if you're listening to it. <laughs> uh, but uh, also make sure to follow us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. We're also uh, Romans Empire Pod at gmail.com. Uh, tweet at us, email us. Make sure you follow the podcast. We are on all third party apps, SoundCloud uh, and Apple Podcasts as well. Um, Andres, always nice having you, bud. Good to hear your voice. Um, How about me? Psalm. Okay. No. Uh, not as no, not as one today, so fuck off. Um, <laughs> thanks for, but, uh, thanks yeah. for waiting. Yeah, no, no, you're welcome. Um, and uh, until next time, guys, keep the blue flag flying high.